You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Woo-hoo! Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Happy holidays, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We are feeling holly and jolly, and we are going to be talking about holiday music this week. It's going to be real interesting to see what our music folks have come up with with some of their favorites and that make them think of the holidays. And, you know, some people, you know, might have the traditional stuff. Some people might have something that's a little bit out there. And this man here, who's my podcast partner for tonight, as always, Mr. Mike Gordon, what is your favorite ho-ho-ho story? Ho-ho-howdy! How are you, my friend? I am fine. Tis the season to be jolly. Oh, it's a holly jolly Christmas. Are you jolly? Oh, I'm always jolly, dude. I am really... (laughs) Okay, maybe I, not. That's really not true, but uh, that's 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 the opposite of true. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want me to have to come out and say "bah humbug," do you? There you go. There you go. That's the real Mike Faber we all know and love. Hey, come on! You know I love a good holiday as much as the other ones. As long as there's alcohol involved, I'll be happy. <laughs> and we definitely, you know, I hope you know you and Michelle are celebrating, and you know planning great things for the for Christmas and all the other things that people celebrate festivists you know Kwanzaa you know winter solstice is coming up in a couple of days it's not too too bad now there's a lot of stuff to uh to celebrate this time of year and if if nothing else you can celebrate that you survive this year oh god um, yes <laughs> i mean that's a it, celebration I mean, on itself i know it's we you know, the last two years have been something else. Uh, so, um, you know, for all those people who are still with us and still like living and, and surviving, uh, my hat's off to you. And, and I hope you guys have a great season, uh, no matter what you're celebrating. Nope, it should be a lot of fun. And you know what? If you're just celebrating life. That's good too. You know, there's lots to be celebrating for there. But you definitely would love to hear from you guys. Please write us feedback at station1.com. And if you get a chance, please, as we always like to say, if you have the notion to do, please leave us five stars or please even leave a review for us. We would love to hear from you guys. Tell people what you got, what's going on and such, and tell us what, you know, you guys think of our show. That's how we change. That's how we evolve. We've talked about, you know, tweaking the show here and there, but we definitely want to hear from you guys. What segments do you guys like to hear? What segments are you guys tired of hearing? Or are you just tired of hearing us? Who knows? But you know what? We definitely would love to hear from you guys either way. Feedback at our station one is always the best food to do it. And of course we want to give a big shout out and holiday cheers to our Patreon people. Thank you guys. Everyone who's been supporting the ESO network and Earth Station One is a proud member of the ESO network. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can also be a supporter of the ESO network on Patreon. And as a special thank you for our patrons throughout the holidays, actually throughout the first of the year, all shows that are up on Patreon 
are free to all of our patrons. You don't have to be at a certain level or anything. Just, you know, be a patron and help support us. And as our way of saying thank you, you get shows for free. You know, and that's pretty awesome. And we got some new stuff that might be coming your way very, very soon. Um, sad news, though, there will not be an ESO board silly for the holidays. That'll be returning in January. So I think, you know, the, the board needs a well-timed off also. But, yes, we would definitely love you guys to be part of the fun and part of the, you know, cool stuff that's going on. I know uh, Kevin Eldridge and Drew Leiter are going to have a brand new podcast premiering exclusively on the Patreon. So it's actually pretty cool. That's going to be coming probably either towards the end of this year or early next year, talking, doing comic book reviews from the early days of DC Comics. I think that's going to be kind of fun to hear, you know, what they come up with. And I'm sure there'll be a chicken or two involved with it. So you never know. But we definitely would love to patreon.com slash ESO network. Please help support us. We would really, really love it if you did. And speaking about loving, you know what is also great? Tofosi Optical is a great sunglass company. Even it's the holidays. What else is a better thing to do is give sunglasses, give cool gamer glasses or sports glasses or blue light blocking glasses or heck folks safety goggles or something, you know, Tifosi Optical takes care of all your needs and with some really groovy colors, folks. So check it out. And as a gift for you, Tifosi Optics is giving you 10% off. All you have to do is put in Earth Station 1 in the coupon code. You get 10% off your whole order. Check it out, TifosiOptics.com. And now we're here with new friend of the show, amazing actress and musician and she does so much other things too let's welcome susan lanier to the show welcome hi how are you howdy welcome to the station it's great to be here we are glad to have you um you know normally i ask like tell us a little about yourself but you're one of those people that i think a lot of people probably have seen and maybe not know right or do you get that a lot like i've seen you somewhere everywhere i go like (laughs) i know you from somewhere exactly (laughs) what's what's usually the winner uh, well, uh, I, I usually say, well, you know, you look familiar too. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than say, oh yeah, did you see the Hills of Eyes or Welcome Back Cotter or Happy Days or any of the other things I did? You know, I do, I, I'm not one of those people to rattle off the credits, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, but you've got some really good ones. Uh, yeah. As you mentioned, Welcome Thank Back you. Cotter, Happy Days. I mean, you are around at like, I think the, the, I don't want to call it the golden age because obviously there was a lot of sitcoms before. But, man, when I think of the 70s, I think of Happy Days and Laverne Shirley and Welcome Back, Cotter and Three's Company and Alice. And, and you were like their part for all of that. Yeah, I was I, I, I had a, I have a, an amazing body of work from that mm-hmm. era. And I was one of the lucky little blondes that moved to L.A. and the, at the right time, I was <laughs> at the right time at the right place, you know. <laughs> So. And you and you're around two of the coolest people characters in in TV, right? Uh, Vinny Barbarino and and the Fonz. Yep, and I played both of their girlfriends, so that was cool. <laughs> you go, there you go. That's yeah. a how how was that experience working, being in that environment, and working with those folks? And 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 obviously, people like Travolta would go on to be huge after that. Was there a sense of that it was like a bigger than it was, or just a job? Or um, you know, in both shows. I did the first season. 
Mm-hmm. And Henry Winkler nor John Travolta were huge stars at the time. And they were both lovely, lovely, sweet, kind guys. I went out with Henry a couple of times. He wanted to show me around LA because I had only been in Los Angeles for about three days. And I, and, and I went out with Henry and he wanted to show me the town. And, and that was so cool, you know? Um, and, uh, he's just one of the nicest men I've ever met. Um, and so they weren't hugely famous at the time. They were both popular, but not famous. Mm-hmm. The levels they became later. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, that first season of uh, Happy Days, I don't think they really even, the Fonz wasn't really even the Fonz then, right? Well, no, he was. He was the Fonz, but he, uh, when I did the show, he was the Fonz. So I'm hmm. not, I, I, I'm pretty sure it was, the, it was the first, uh, at least the second season. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, one of the first or second seasons, but uh, no, he he was, he was the Fonz already. He was clearly playing the Fonz on the show and, and, and he was getting there. And he was getting notoriety, uh, but not huge. You know, he wasn't huge, huge yet. And then you also, one of your other credits that I, I just love too, is uh, you were, I think, a villainous, right? In Electro Woman and Dinah Girl. Is that, is that yes. right? You know, like one of, the, one of the earliest superhero shows. Yes. Uh, Miss Dazzle. I played Miss Dazzle. <laughs> and I love to play the bad girl. And on Miss, you know, on that show, I really got to play, you know, bad. I, I often get cast as the antagonist or, you know, the bad girl a lot. You know, mm-hmm. even on Welcome Back, Cotter, I was a runaway. I was a bad girl. I was a bad influence on Benny Barbarino. And uh, on one of the episodes, uh, he wanted to be a priest called uh father Vinny, i think and and i went and you know i talked i was trying to talk him out of religion you know i was just the bad girl on almost everything i played so hmm. i was a runaway on alice um it was called mel's in love i was a troublemaker on phyllis um you know with cloris leachman so i have worked with some of the most fabulous people in hollywood you know there some of them are gone now ned Beatty. Mm-hmm. On a, uh, I was a series regular with him uh, on a show on a sitcom called Sisnick with Thomas Carter and Barry Miller, and um, I, you know, I did a, I just got to work with, you know, my second job was um, on Barnaby Jones guest starring on um, uh, with uh, Buddy Ebsen. So wow, wow, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you have worked with some real legends for sure. Even like while they were legends or shortly after or, or no, even while, before? While they were legends. I came from the theater mm-hmm. and, and one of my first credits um, uh, in L.A. was Happy Days. But and then I got Welcome Back, Cotter. And then I got to start because my first love really is theater. And so I got to star with Richard Chamberlain and Dorothy McGuire and Eleanor Parker and Raymond Massey at the Amundsen and Night of the Iguana, which uh, Tennessee uh, Williams. Great also great used. I worked with Tennessee Williams in person for oh, wow. like a whole year. I'm not a whole year, but half a year. And it was just an amazing, uh, the 70s were amazing for me in L.A. Yeah. Truly, so I truly still truly love theater. Yeah. And and I think, I don't know if it's true now, but I don't think it's a true at all of it now. But back then, certainly the sitcoms had a more theatrical feel to them, I think. They were actually filmed in front of a studio audience, and, and it seemed like they felt more like theater. Yeah. When I did Happy Days, it was still being filmed. So it mm-hmm. was 
a three camera shoot without an audience. Mm-hmm. And then I think the next year they, they did it in front of an audience or soon after, I, I don't know what year they did, but when I did it, it, it was not an audience, but all the other shows I talked about, well, not all of them. I, I, it seems like Phyllis was not in front. I don't know. I can't remember. But you know. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> 40 years ago, 50 years ago. I know, ago. right? I know. I did Eight is Enough, and that was filmed on location. And um, so, again, you know, I did all those shows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And great memories with those? All of them. Yeah. All of them. I have great That's memories for all of them. Switch. I had to dive into a swim, swimming pool at Pepperdine with Robert Wagner and uh, uh, Eddie, uh, Eddie, who starred on Switch with him. Oh my God, he's a legend. Anyway, we all three had to dive into a swimming pool at Pepperdine University um, in Malibu in the dead of winter in our clothes. And they swim after me. And that was a little uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) I, I believe that was Eddie Albert, right? Eddie Albert. Yes, 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 yes. How can I forget? Yeah, yeah. And and so the three of us were underwater and there were underwater camera people shooting us underwater. And and that, I I got a little, I got the flu from that one. I got Hmm. really sick from that one. I was so cold, but you know, I was young tough and didn't give a, I I just wanted to work. (laughs) You're just working, right? I was just Um, Uh, great times. And then of course I have to ask, cause around like right around that time too, you work with Wes Craven, right? On the legendary, uh, Wes Craven, Hills of Eyes, who would go on to have a amazing and be a legend in the business as well. Um, what was that experience like? Well, you was know, that your first feature that was, no, it was my third feature. Okay. I had done a, a low budget feature, um, called Putney Swope with Robert Downey Jr.'s father. Oh, okay. Robert Downey Sr. in New York. I, I first went to New York and did work there in commercials and theater. And then I um, moved to L.A. in 1974 or five. I can't remember. And um, but before that, I'd gotten a movie called The Pickle Goes in the Middle, which was also a low-budget film in Dallas. So I had done those two films, but um, Hills Have Eyes was a very unique experience because my agent really did not want me to do a horror movie because I was doing so much guest star work on TV. And he said that it would really harm the legitimacy of my legitimate acting career. <laughs> and um, But... Wes asked me to star in that movie and I had wanted to make a segue from TV. It's hard to make a a segue from TV to film and to star in a film. And I figured this was my opportunity to, uh, he was just offering me the role. And so I figured it was my opportunity to make that leap and see where I landed. And, um, and I, Maybe my agent was right after uh, working with Wes, who was wonderful. And it was his second movie. He had done Last House on the Left. Oh, right. Yep. Um, uh, I My sitcom career actually did slow down a little bit, but I was okay with that. I mean, I, I got a lot of, I have no regrets for having done the Hills, starred in the Hills of Eyes. I played mm-hmm. the, the little girl, Brenda. And it was just, 
um, a wonderful opportunity to work with Wes. He was so sweet. He, he was more experienced on the Hills of Eyes than he was on Last House on the left. He had a feature under his belt and he hadn't, you know, on, I, I talked to Mark Schiffler and who starred in Last House on the left. And it, it was a, a little awkward. And, but by the time he got to the Hills of Eyes, it was, he was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Well, and I understand, I, I understand at that time, and certainly, you know, being on the outside of it too, you didn't see very much crossover between actors going from film to TV. And there was, it seemed like there was a huge divide back then. Back then, it was a huge divide. Not so much now, yeah. because everything's on TV. You right. know, I mean, Netflix <laughs> and Amazon and all of them are doing features. And so it's almost, um, not cool to do to do network shows uh, you know the the you know abc nbc cbs i mean of course i would do one i'm not saying i wouldn't but it's, <laughs> it's not as cool as as you know starring in a netflix episodic or streaming series or something like that you mm-hmm. know so mm-hmm. but back then that's all we had where you know the basic networks and so that's where we worked yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, so, I, you know, there's a sort of a kind of a gap after like the 80s, like the early 80s in on your IMDb page. So, so this thing slowed down a little bit. You know, I uh, fell in love with um, a musician, composer wrong with that? Uh, named Delaney Bramlett. He was uh, famous for the band Delaney and Bonnie and Friends. And he had seen The Hills Have Eyes at a drive-in movie. And I I was already in a music circle in L.A. I've always, li- I, I've always been into music. And mm-hmm. before I met Delaney, I'd already met Leon Russell and, uh, you know, hung out with Mark Benno and, you know, uh, different music. Uh, Nicolette Larson was already one of my friends here. And I had... I had produced a, um, as a kid, I was, I was hired as a, a little typing assistant at a network in Dallas called KERA, which was a public broadcasting network. And um, Owen and Luke Wilson's dad wow. ran the station and I was his little typist assistant. So he made me a producer for some reason when I was like 20 and I, um, in, so I produced a show called, uh, or co-produced a show called, um, uh, free stage. And our first guest was Willie Nelson who had not yet had his huge comeback. And I introduced Nikki Raphael, who was my cameraman to Willie Nelson. And, um, then Willie just took him on the road that day forward. You know, we had to replace the cameraman because Mickey, I mean, Mickey's life changed. Uh-huh. Well, he moved here to LA. And so when I moved here, he introduced me to all these music friends. So I was already in this music circle mm. of friends. And um, I knew who Delaney was, but I went to see him with some of my friends at a bar and he saw me and he came down off the stage and he said, give me your phone number. I saw you in a movie last night called The Hills Have Eyes at a drive-in. And that's how we met. So we fell in love. And honestly, I had done so much acting work. I, I, was, I felt like 
I was just kind of tired of the race, the rat race. Mm. You know, there's a lot of responsibility that comes along with success. And it and it's very isolating and it's very challenging to handle it. And I was very young. And I just felt uh, I had a son and he was really great with my son. And I just, I decided I'd rather just not act so much. And so Mm -hmm. I, I uh, put my focus on music and I also had always loved photography. So I had uh, bought myself a camera and started making a very good living shooting myself on the other side of the camera. And it gave me such joy to do that. And, and then after my husband passed, I, I did movies and little things, little projects along the way, but nothing really, you know, that one would scream about or anything. And, um, and I still don't have the career I had in the seventies and may never, who knows, you know, but I still do a lot of music. I do still do photography and, um, I have a very creative life and, and, you know, I, I write, I'm getting ready to release my own new EP of music called Allergic mm-hmm. to Texas. And that oh, will come awesome. out, that'll come out really soon. Awesome. That is great to hear. Uh, because yeah, I would imagine that, I mean, I, I, again, I don't know how big the, the chasm is between, I know some people have crossed over, but the, the, the TV industry, the, the movie industry, the music industry all seem to have like their, their walls on them. Right. Like, but you seem to have broken them down. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not Lady Gaga. I mean, she, <laughs> you, she broke them down. She's broken them down. Well, well there's breaking them Jennifer down and then there's them. Madonna have broken them down. I'm right. just a, a working, you know, schlub, you know. <laughs> I'm just, a, I'm just a, a, a happy little actor. You know, I've got a, I got a big audition today for a new show, you know, so I'm definitely on, you know, in an acting career still mm-hmm. in a music career still and still shooting. But now it's all, all just gravy. You know what I mean? Sure. Anything that comes along is I consider it gravy and just part of the journey. I'm, I'm pleased with my career. When, uh-huh. when I was on the cover, I was on the cover of, the TV guide even. And, and after that, I couldn't even go to the grocery store. So, you know, it's, it's people don't, I don't think people realize how intrusive uh, it, it really, fame really is Mm -hmm. and, and how um, dehumanizing it can be. And I'm not one to bitch about it. I mean, give it to me. Yeah. Ask for it. You know, watch what you ask for. You just might get it as one of my, And that's one of my songs on YouTube I did with Michael Behrman from The Hills Have Eyes. So you can look that up under Sue's Lanier Bramlett, which is what I did my music under. But we have a music video called Watch What You Ask For. You just might get it. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and I wrote that song about that. That's awesome. That that's really cool. Um, and and what what kind of music do you do? Is there a particular genre that uh, that you find yourself uh, uh, going towards more than others, or is it are you across the board? CD Baby classified it as country blues, so I'll just okay. go with, go with cool. what they So if we're looking I, for it, that's where we're looking for, right? Yeah. Well, I call it cabaret blues. You know, okay. my, the name of my band is Swamp Cabaret, and so it's a bluesy, sleazy 
kind of decadent show, you know, mm-hmm. and I like to keep it a little edgy and throw people off guard. I do comedy um, in the in in the era we were talking about. It was a series regular on, on Tony Orlando and Dawn. Oh, and I did cool. comedy sketches a lot with George Carlin. Oh, and he taught oh, cool. me how to get to that edge, <laughs> you know, right before it's just a little too much. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, that was great training ground, too. And I, I did most of my sketches with George Carlin. And so um, I integrate that edgy comedy into my cabaret show. Mm-hmm. which I was doing um, pretty often, even in, in touring it around a little bit um, until COVID. And, you know, that put the screeching brakes on everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you find yourself doing the uh, convention circuit a lot? Because I know that uh, that's pretty popular, too. I was before COVID. Sure. Um, um, I love to meet the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, because uh, of the virus being so unpredictable, I prefer to meet them beer- on on a on Zoom or cameo. I do cameos, you know. I I much rather talk to people on Zoom. Um, and um, you know, I'm not wild about flying every weekend like I was. And and there are a lot of people that don't know the boundaries that want a selfie with you, and that's what they're there for, and that's my uh, job, of course. But, um, you know, we, I don't know who's been vaccinated, who hasn't. And that's their sure. business. It's not my business. I just don't want to catch anything. So No, absolutely. Absolutely. Safe than sorry, as we like to say. Yeah. Better yeah. Safe than sorry. I mean, I went to a memorial yesterday for one of the big, big photographers in L.A. And he was only 60 and he died of COVID. So, you know, yeah. it was... It's, but he, yeah. he didn't believe in the vaccine. So that, I mean, I, I figured that's everybody's own choice to make and, you know, but um, conventions to me right now aren't, aren't, I, you know, unless it's chiller or one of the really big ones, mm-hmm. you know, I, I probably, I'm, I'm not wild about it. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. No, You're not going to go to Yuma, Arizona to <laughs> the little tiny con there. <laughs> or Minnesota. <laughs> or any you know, where it's just raging. <laughs> no. Well, well, awesome. Well, now that we found out some of the projects that you've been involved with and that you currently are involved with, let's um, find out what you're passionate about. Mike, I, I think she's ready for the geek seat questions. Oh, I think she can handle it out of everyone we've had in for quite some time. I think Susan's ready. You know, she just, she comes off so calm and cool and, and everything. She's not going to freak out. She's not going to go running out of the room screaming afterwards or, you know, like some of the folks who have in the past. Yeah. So, well, she's worked with Wes Craven. So we, you know, that, that answers it. Wes really Craven well. and George Carlin. I think I can yeah. handle. I think yeah. if she can handle George Carlin and, you know, yeah. George, you know, taught her well. She's going to be teaching us some things in this. You know, she, uh, so. Is she qualified as a final girl? I think so, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I definitely think so. All right, Susan. I want your first question in the geek seat. Okay. What, what was your favorite geek out moment? Geek out moment. Uh, so, I, I, so I, I guess I call geek out. My favorite or my most undesirable? Your your favorite. The undesirable one's the next question. See? <laughs> <laughs> my 
first geek out moment, I guess. Your favorite, your favorite. My favorite one was meeting Tennessee Williams. Uh, Oh, I'm sure. That must have been amazing. Yeah. And I, I have never told this story, but I was in my dressing room and the guy who shared the dressing room beside me um, was out and gay and he was always playing tricks on me and I loved him. And he banged on my door run one night and we would call each other names, you know, really decadent names. And so Tennessee Williams knocked on my door and I, I thought it was my friend and I screamed, come in. And I used a really bad word. And, and, and Tennessee Williams came in the door and he goes, Ms. Lanier. How appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I use the F awesome. word, you know, and, and so I use the F As word. don't we and, all, you know. And, 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 um, uh, and it, you know, I wouldn't say the word right now, but anyway, no. he came in, I was so embarrassed. I thought I would die. And that's my favorite moment because he, he, he still loved me. And that was cool. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that is amazing. I love yeah. it. All right. What was your most disappointing now geek out moment? Oh, let me think. Well, I've had so many disappointments. (laughs) Okay. So I guess the one was that my most disappointing was, was that I did have a record deal in Nashville. And I was going there to be produced by a huge, huge producer, Billy Sherrill. And the guy who was setting it up came behind me and made a move. And uh, a very obscene move. And I said, get your hands off of me or I'll kick you across the room. And um, I lost the record deal. So that was pretty bad. Uh, Yeah. He took it away. Because... you know, that's a Hollywood story. You mm. know, girls have to be, uh, you know, back then, and that, that was in the late 80s, by the way, uh, girls have always been, you know, you play or, you know, and you have to make that choice for yourself. Mm. I, I, You know, Harvey Weinstein is the um, prime example of that. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. sure. But yeah. by far, not the only. No. No. I mean, it happens. It, it, eventually, it's going to happen to probably most men and probably most women. Let's be honest. It happens. It happens in the workplace. If you're in a construction business, yeah, you know, it happens all the time. So you as an individual have to know where your boundary is in terms of what you're willing to do. That totally, that makes, totally sense. makes sense. Yeah. That completely yeah. makes sense there. What geeks you out the most? It, what really geeks me out it's a little political. That's okay. And, um, you know, I worked with Gloria Steinem in the 70s. Sure. And we worked really hard for women's rights, a woman's right to choose. And the fact that that is being threatened at this moment and and women aren't enraged or, do I can't have a baby anymore, honey. I am way too old for that. So the thing is, is that I feel like that a woman should have a right to choose with their own body. Just like I think somebody, everybody has the right to choose if they want to get back. Everybody has a right 
to their own body. And that geeks me out the most in terms of what, what I see the rights that we fought for 50 years ago are now being threatened. Absolutely. Yeah. Very much so. I agree. And if, if girls, we took to the street. If girls don't get off, off their ass and quit TikToking and shaking their booty in the lens and get out on the street and do something about it, I'm too old to do that. I did my turn. And I and I work and I fought hard, and so if they want all their rights taken away, then I, I can't change the world. Mm-hmm. I can only I I helped change it at one point. I Absolutely. worked with Gloria Steinem for two years, so it was an amazing. We we I co-produced a, a show we did for PBS called Woman Alive, and we worked for women's rights. Completely understand that. That might actually lead into your next question, actually, and what turns your geek off? Stupidity, ignorance, the uneducated. Completely agree. I have no tolerance for it. I have no tolerance. I've ended friendships, and I have no regrets about that. I think we all have in some ways it's become more a lot everything has become so d- divisive nowadays and you can't even have a civilized conversation with somebody and that's tough yeah i i just saw a friend that i've known for 50 years and um she won't get vaccinated and so she wanted me to have dinner and she got pissed off that she couldn't get into a restaurant in LA. I said, then don't go to New York and New York city. You can't go anywhere without showing your vax card and your, and your uh, driver's license. Every, every restaurant we went into in New York city, we had to have the card and our ID ready to show at the door. Every single place. Well, it's like here. It's like that in LA. If the restaurant is doing their job and she got pissed and I, I'm not sure if she's, ever going to want to see me again because I, 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 we had to sit outside and that was fine. I love to sit outside, but I said, you know, what's key, what are you afraid of? Mm-hmm. You know, I'd be, I mean, nobody's, nobody wants to go get a shot. Nobody wants to do that. But I was one of the first when that, when it was available, I said, here, here's my arm, <laughs> you know, because you know, I'd already lost five people from the, from it. Right. I know. I know. It's it's tough. And, you know, and people are being crazy about it. You know, we end each one of our shows. We tell people, go get vaccinated. Hug your loved ones, you know. And it's something that's near and dear because I think everyone's lost somebody or at least knows somebody who has lost somebody, you know. And it's not just the flu votes. Come on. And I don't want to get politics. No, it's not the flu. And I, like I said, I was at a memorial, a celebration of life yesterday for somebody who refused to get a vaccine. Okay. And Mm -hmm. I want my life back. I want to go to cabaret. I want, I love bars. I love to live in a bar. I could live in a bar. If, if you'd give me a chance, my favorite thing is to be in a bar and listen to music. And I don't want to be afraid to go do that. I want to go play bars. I want to hang out in bars and not be afraid to be there. 
And if as long as people are not going to take care of themselves, then we are all threatened with it. Yeah. You're not hearing an argument from us. We, nope. you, we're all on the same page here. No. I think a lot of our listeners are too, which is, you know, you know, and that's the wonderful thing about the people who listen to us and, you know, and we've actually been praised with the stand that we've taken for this. And, you know, we're, we just want the safety of our friends and our listeners and, you know, cause we consider them, you know, part of our family and, you know, that's the cool thing about it. Of course, you know, if nothing else, just give me an opportunity to go get drunk somewhere. <laughs> Bingo. Thank you. Thank you. That's all that's all we're asking. I just want to show That's all I'm asking. That's all we're give asking. Me a shot so I can go get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> a shot to get a shot. Come on, folks. <laughs> then it would be more popular if we could do that. Tie it in. A shot for a shot. You know? There you go. Yeah. There you go. All right, back to this questionnaire thing. <laughs> what fictional character would you like to meet the most? What fictional character? Mm-hmm. What fictional character? Hmm. Oh, that's a hard one. I mean, right off the bat, fictional Superman. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. He's he was always pretty hot. I always found Superman kind of hot. <laughs> okay, hey, there you go. <laughs> I like his body. No. <laughs> well, understandable, you know. Yeah, he did, and he did good deeds. You know, he 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 was he was pretty cool, and he could fly. You know, mm-hmm. okay. that's well. I mean, you know, without really. Yeah. I, I, that's just off the top of my head. <laughs> is that's there any fi- is there any fictional characters you wouldn't like to meet? Ma, yeah, I, I guess the stepmother, Cinderella's stepmother. I wouldn't want to meet her. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I thought about that. I don't know why I thought about that uh, Cinderella the other day, and and I thought about. You know, I don't know. I I just think about the little stepchild. You know, I don't know. I I, I haven't. I don't have a great answer for that one. I guess that's yeah, fine. Oh. Evil stepmother is is it's, it's qualified. Evil stepmother. <laughs> I had a great mother. She was my best friend, and I you know I'm I was so lucky that I didn't have an evil stepmother. You know. You know, you don't have the step monster thing, so it's okay. It's really okay. No, I don't. I had a great mother. No. Okay. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? And when we say this, it's like something that you always use in your everyday conversation and stuff. You know, like some people say awesome. Some people quote some TV shows or some people just say to infinity and beyond, you know, or something silly like that, you know? Well, I have two and, and one of them, is what watch what you ask for mm-hmm. oh, that, yeah. you just, that you just might get it. And my other one is you better get it while you can. You know, oh, that's good. Yeah. Because um, I lost another friend uh, last week, not to COVID to cancer. She was 35. Oh, she was 35. Oh. 
and a very dear friend. And I've been very upset about that. And life is very short. And why, you know, just get it while you can because, and make choices based on that. Live each day because, you know, you never know. I don't know. I mean, what if I'd been in that high school in Oxford? Mm-hmm. Where, you know. Yeah, Michigan. You know, it's it's like, I think to savor every moment is very important. Even if it's bad, experience it. Because it's called life. And that's what we have at the moment. We have life. And, and that's a gift. I mean, I don't know what's happening after this chapter. But, you know, it's like, you know, life is pretty precious. That's awesome. All right. You're probably living this one already, but what is your ideal geek occupation? Mm. Well, if you know, if you said music is music is harder these days because everything's streaming and they're stealing everybody's music and it's hard to make any money at it. And, and I mean, if I was to have just a wish come true, I'd love one more series where I'm on the show and I'm a series regular and, and became like a Doris Roberts on, you know, um, uh, Raymond or something. Yeah, sure. Sure. You know, I'd love to just be Doris. Just, you know, whatever, you know, the old, <laughs> the old grandmother or the old mother. Yeah. I'd like one more series regular sitcom that would, that would make me happy. I'm also writing a book and that would be great, but that's really hard work. But uh, <laughs> a, a, a series regular Doris Roberts kind of role. Yeah. You know, or whatever I could play that would make me really happy. That's cool though. <laughs> that is really cool though. What geek yeah. occupation would you not like to do? Oh, oh man, I guess I don't, I wouldn't want to be a, a, a salesperson in, in a department store. I don't think on my feet all day, (laughs) you know, that seems like hard work. I was, I I was offered years ago, a really cool job with Neiman Marcus uh, owning part of their photography division. And and one of the things they said would be a requirement is that I would have to stand in high heels and wear a suit every day, Ooh. a business, like a, a chic Neiman Marcus suit. And I thought, oh, hell no. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, give me a hoodie and some overalls, man. I'm not doing it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I have great clothes. I can dress up like the rest of them. But no, I have to be comfortable. I, that That would not be worth it to me. Um, and they you know. offered, and they offered me a lot of money. This was in the ninety early nineties, and I I just went no, not interested. I was wow. doing shooting for Neiman Marcus. Well, you know, as they call it, my friends call it needless markup, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah so. <laughs> no, I love I love Neiman Marcus. I love to shop there. I just don't want to work there. Yeah, no, <laughs> I could understand that. I totally could understand that. All right, Susan, are you ready for your final question in the geek seat? I'm scared. Yes, go ahead. Okay. okay. You've done great so far. You've done really, really good. Thank you. Susan, what is your ultimate geek fantasy? Hmm. World peace. Awesome. Like, was, oh. 
Why can't we get along? Why can't we get along? Why, why is there any division when we were put here, I think, to love each other? I agree. I have many um, African-American cousins and family members, and I love each and every one of them dearly, and um, as well as thousands of Um, you know, white cousins. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't, you know, why isn't everybody just treated the same? We've got to, and and we've got to get to, you know, what a beautiful world it would be. Imagine, you know, John Lennon, thank you. If we all could just love each other. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, could be the best one ever. That's that the best be answer a, ever. I Thank think you. so. <laughs> world. Well, world. I love it. Everybody else has been so selfish. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, no. How happy we would all be if we could just get along and love each other. Yeah. You know. We could lo- live as one. It's pretty awesome. We could live as one. And who needs fame? Or who need? I mean, then... Your art, your art is a gift, and that's just a process, but that's not the meaning of – I mean, I've never luckily had a job outside of the arts, but that's not totally why I'm here, you know. Sure. That, but it would be lovely. We kind of thought about that in the 60s. Mm-hmm. You know, that was one of the running themes, you know, peace, love, and happiness. Oh, yeah. So which, what is, what is more valuable than peace, love, and happiness? I can totally understand that completely. This is awesome. Well, Susan, I got some great news for you. You've made it through the Geek Seat. Congratulations. Mr. Mike Gordon, tell the young lady what she's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth $20.82. Fabulous! Thank you. Woo. No, thank you. It has been it's been a blessing having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, for those people who want to check out your music and what you're doing now, where should they go? What should they What should they do? Well, I'm releasing a new EP. For the moment, you can find the old one, Swamp Cabaret, on um, iTunes and CD Baby and all those okay. streaming venues under Suze Lanier Bramlett. And I act under Susan Lanier. I've got a couple of streaming series coming out pretty soon. Um, and just IMDB me at Susan Lanier to keep up with the new credits, you know. And um, and I'm doing cameos um, under Susan Lanier. And um, my new EP that will drop soon is called Allergic to Texas. Please watch out for that. And I will, um, I don't have a website right this minute. I will have it all on Facebook or stores or whatever. And I'm getting ready to build a little website to, to do that. I let my old website go. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we'll have links for all of that in the show notes. Then please feel free. Like if you ever want to promote anything else, you are always welcome to join us here on the station. Thank you. Thank you. I will. I'd love to do that. It's been really fun. Our pleasure to have you on the show tonight. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a minute with a little bit of holiday music. 
You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana. Hi, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. Now, I know that many of us movie geeks are already deep into spider mania as we wait to find out what the heck is going to happen in the next Spider-Man movie as it dips into the multiverse, alternate timelines, are past Spider-Man actors going to appear into it? Anyway, that's still yet to come in December, but this week I want to draw your attention to a new movie coming out this weekend, which is the new adaptation of the musical West Side Story. Now, I wasn't necessarily overly hyped for this movie in the beginning. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but, you know, sometimes remakes are hit and miss. And I have seen the stage show version of this, enjoyed it, and wouldn't have necessarily gone out of my way to seek out this meeting, this movie adaptation, except it's being directed by Steven Spielberg, who is one of my all-time favorite film directors, and the fact that he is taking on a musical is really intriguing to me. And then you have the fact this movie is pulling in 95% on Rotten Tomatoes right now, and it's also receiving some positive buzz for not including Spanish subtitles. In other words, just letting the characters speak in their language and not taking you out of the immersive experience of the movie by having those subtitles. Something I did notice about the trailers for this movie is the beauty of the cinematography and the choices that Steven Spielberg makes to angle the camera as he shoots these scenes. So now I'm actually really excited for this movie. I'm planning to see it on opening weekend and I think it's always cool to see a director tell a classic story set in the past through a modern lens. So yeah, I'm really excited about this movie now and I'm looking forward to hopefully blogging about it after I've seen it. That's it for this week's Box Office Buzz. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my blog over on the ESO Podcast website. Hello there. I can see you have great taste in podcasts. Keep your discerning streak going with the Soul Forge podcast. No topic is off-limits on the Soul Forge. We talk about life, toys, dating, geekiness, love, nerdiness, sex and dating, TV, movies, and just about anything you can think of. Check out the Soul Forge podcast, soulforgepodcast.com, and wherever you find your podcasts. We're everywhere. everyone welcome back to earth station one it's time to be jolly and let's have some fun with some holiday music take it away mikey ho 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 it's the season and uh of course we're talking about holiday music seasonal music christmas music if you will um although there's other types of music that i think that's socially that's that's bundled in with that uh christmas music as well so uh but we don't we don't know how how far we'll get into this but uh we're going to name some of our favorite tunes and we've got our music crew starting with michelle is here hello howdy happy holidays happy holidays and ricky and bambi are here as well 
Hello. Howdy. Howdy. How are how are things? Now, <laughs> now, now, do you guys um, do you guys play holiday music at all? At all? Yes. Frequently, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I would imagine that you only play seasonal music during the season. Well, that would be well, a good assumption. <laughs> it would, yeah, maybe, maybe outside, maybe, maybe uh, otherwise. But, but, um, are there any songs that you particularly like to play? Uh, well, I really enjoy playing "It's Christmas, Baby." I don't want to fight tonight by the Ramones. Nice. I was thinking we often do uh, Halloween by the Misfits and change the lyrics, like to Christmas Eve instead of Halloween. We have been known <laughs> to do that. <laughs> or, or make any other songs more Christmassy? You just add sleigh bells. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Instant Christmas song. You just add sleigh bells. Um, uh, for a while there, you were playing because I, I know that you have uh, played actual Christmas parties and everything, right? Do oh, they yeah. now at Christmas parties is that is usually the theme to play holiday music or just no, no? We're music? typically we're typically hired to do uh, what we do. You know, people know what our thing is, and they hire us to come in and do that. Ah. Um, although we did have one event that we played recently where we were contacted and somebody said, I love the music that you guys play. I love your stage decorations. I love the way you dress. We want to hire you. And I said, great, this is how much we charge. They said, let's set it up. We just want you to play completely different music, change your stage setup and wear different outfits. <laughs> oh yeah. And none of that, what was that, that none of that crowd interaction. <laughs> Why are you hiring us? So you want us because of all of these things, but you don't want us to do any of them. Okay. <laughs> hey, you know uh, what? A gig's a gig. Gig's a gig, right? Well, uh, we are happy to he- have you here for this gig. Um, across the board, we're going to just talk about our favorite holiday tunes, uh, old, new, you know, we we're, we're see where it goes. Um, Mike, I know that you're not a big fan of holiday music in particular um in fact i don't think um i'm kind of surprised that we're doing this because i think you've you've led on belief to before that you would don't want to do a music on christmas music and mainly obviously you don't celebrate christmas per se um i don't celebrate any holidays so in all truth (laughs) well i was just about to wish you uh, you go away happy hanukkah right (laughs) go away get out of here are there you know and and forgive my ignorance, but are there are there great like you know Hanukkah songs out there? Oh, there's some amazing Hanukkah songs over the years, uh, pop culture wise, not really. Right. Um, and I don't count that stupid Adam Sandler song as <laughs> something that you know represents Hanukkah at all. But it's cute. It was it was fun the first two hundred times I heard it, and then after <laughs> that, it just got a little old. So. No, but there's some amazing Hanukkah music, um, you know, more klezmer type and more traditional type music that's been done past generation to generation. And there's also some amazing songs and music for Kwanta even that's mm-hmm. out there. And so it's, you know, there's not just Christmas music. There's also, you know, seasonal music. There's also music, you know, for folks who 
don't celebrate holidays or Christmas and such, or don't want to go into the commercialism that is Christmas and everything. And there's some just amazing songs out there and amusing, you know, things, you know, some people even consider stuff like a nightmare before Christmas, you know, you know, all the music from that Christmas music, because it's all seasonal and, you know, it's pretty darn awesome because Danny Elfman, especially, you know, doing most of it. And it's just, it's just some cool stuff out there. So, you know, when you said, let's do holiday music, I was like, no, I don't want to do it. You know, bah humbug. Bah humbug. go away, <laughs> go away. But then these spirits visited me overnight and they said, you know, <laughs> so I said, okay, we'll do this. That'll episode. be Christmas music for everybody. <laughs> Christmas music for you. Christmas music for you. Here's Mariah Carey for you. Oh. <laughs> Mariah Carey is the new the new Wham, right? Everybody was making fun of uh, Last Christmas by Wham for a few years, and now it seems to be like this year Mar- Mariah Carey has gotten the brunt of it. I think. Um, so I, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know why, but uh, I mean, it's all good. I mean, certainly there's better Christmas music than other, and and like you said, Mike, some of it's seasonal. Like Jingle Bells, not a Christmas song. No, uh, it doesn't mention Christmas. Uh, Winter Wonderland, Sleigh Bells, things like that. Like those, all those songs don't particularly mention Christmas. Uh, Baby, it's cold outside. Ooh, that mentioned something else, right? <laughs> that's something. That's a completely different. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of those songs that is no longer cool to to play, I guess, or to do. I I literally last night just watched a movie that had that song in it, and they changed the lyrics and kind of made it awesome. I don't know if there's oh, really? a movie on Netflix called Love. What was it called? Love Hard. Love Hard. Love Hard. That was a cute movie, but they do a version of that song in there that. It we almost, shouldn't. We shouldn't give spoilers, yeah. but they. What all we'll say is, they only changed part of it, and it made it amazing, absolutely amazing, just by changing, alternating it. Yeah, altering it a little bit. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. I think uh, um, the last time I saw it performed a few years ago was when uh, was it. Lady Gaga, who had a special, and she did it. The, she did oh, it with yeah. uh, George, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and they switched roles. I think. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was kind Robert. of entertaining, and and both of them are so talented that it sounded good. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think originally when I first I associated that song all, all originally with Dean Martin, who was like the king of cool, and so it really didn't strike me as kind of icky because he got away with it because he was just so cool. Um, some people can do that. Some others can't, but, uh, anyway. All right. So let's get into some of our favorite tunes that we like to listen to or songs that we definitely like to play this time of year that help us get into the spirit of things. Maybe, um, Michelle, do you have one, uh, to start us off with? Um, this one has gotten some backlash over the years, but I always choose to kind of take it in the spirit. It was intended and, not to be too literal about the lyrics, but I still love Do They Know It's Christmas. Oh, it's a wonderful I, song. It's a wonderful, wonderful song. Yeah. I, I, I That's a song that I have to hear. Uh, and not just the song. I have to hear it by Band-Aid, the original yes, Band-Aid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As, as cool as maybe some other versions have been after all the years, you know, I, I think that part, you know, the, and it's just more than the song because I remember the video, the whole meaning behind it and what they were trying to do, 
you know, the whole, um, you know, giving food to Africa and all of that, uh, that Bob Geldos was part of. Um, and I think Bob and, and what Midge Ewer co-wrote the song, mm-hmm. right. Yes. And, and then they got all of these people to appear on it. And it's just a who's who of, if you loved British pop music in the eighties, it is a catalog of great <laughs> names and voices. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, you know, I, I love listening to that track every, every year as well. It's interesting because, you know, the whole thing with Live Aid, you know, came out of the Band-Aid. True. Informate stuff because uh, the Band-Aid stuff came out in 84 and then Live Aid was 85. Yep. yep. So, and then out of that also came out USA for Africa and yeah. a bunch of other, uh, you know, folks oh. like that doing stuff like that. But yeah, Bob Geldof was definitely, you know, he actually had met Harry Chapin. And Harry Chapin was the one who taught him, you know, showed him what was going on in Africa and become aware about it. And that's what led to uh, Bob Geldof taking the mantle of it after Harry Chapin passed away. And Ah. it was pretty awesome to see. And then him be, you know, bringing it to everyone's awareness. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I, I hadn't heard that there was, backlash against it i didn't know that there was i thought i know some people don't like it just because they i don't know maybe they feel like it's too 80s or something i don't know um there is some back there's specific backlash against the lyric tonight thank god it's them instead of you i think people tend to take that oh, I see. literally there there are also some people that uh find that it is a condescending um view of africa um, and I, I know that Midshore wrote that song in about 10 minutes <laughs> to, to fulfill a need. And I'm not looking to the lyrics of that song to, to make a definitive statement on the socioeconomic situation of Africa. Yeah. I, I prefer to take it in the spirit it was intended, which yeah. was love and generosity and to forgive the the limitations yeah and it's just like it was like i said it was a cool moment it was a cool uh time capsule especially when you watch the video and everything i mean how cool is it that they got sting to sing the lyric the bitter sting of tears like that like it's like (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's right there is pretty cool um uh but no i that's that's definitely one that's on my list as well agreed um uh, Bambi, what about you? What uh, what is a, a track that you uh, that brings out the Christmas spirit in you, so to speak? Pretty much anything Brian Setzer. <laughs> right. I was like, am I going to have to narrow it down to one Brian Setzer Christmas or what? You know, Brian. I, would, I would never ask you to do that. Uh, it's you know, ugh, I don't know. I'd like, I like the whole album Rock and Rudolph. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really uh-huh. is. I put on anything uh, Brian sets or Christmas and it's automatically Christmas to me. Absolutely. We have, uh, for us, um, we've seen him. Well, I think you've seen him one more time than I have, but three or four times since he's done his Christmas tour with his orchestra. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I can't wait. I hope he does it again next year. Uh, I know he had some health problems and then the pandemic and all of that. Mm-hmm. So um, I hope he does that again because that's one of those things that would would happen every season now. And now I kind of it's one of those things that's missed 
but there are certain artists that kind of make a career out of doing holiday music. I think what Mannheim Steamroller is another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, Trans Siberian Orchestra is another one, right? Don't they do like they uh, so they're like they tour around this time of year doing doing musical Christmas uh, concerts, right? Yeah. I, I can't think of anybody else who. I mean, there's others, I'm sure, that do stuff like that, too. But those are the ones that, the biggest names that I can recall. Um, but, uh, yes, I, uh, I, 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 yeah, I hope he comes back and starts touring again. But in the meantime, it's good to have that stuff on DVD and, and CD and streaming and all that kind of stuff. Because his, uh, his version of uh, um, uh, Jingle Bells is good, but uh, the, the version uh, that he does of Nutcracker Sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was uh, going to say the Nutqua- Nutcracker Sweet. Is particularly cool. Yeah, very nice, very nice. Ricky, what about you? Honestly, uh, as uncool as it probably is to admit, I really just, I like the standards that I used to listen to when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are the ones that get me in the Christmas spirit more than anything else. Um, Just whether they're Christmas songs or holiday songs, the songs that I used to hear playing in the shopping malls when I was a kid are the ones that get me the most in the Christmas spirit. And I know that uh, there was a while when I was a teenager that I was listening to the, a very special Christmas albums that would come out just because those were the popular artists at the time. Uh, The one that had you two on it for the first time um, was especially one that I listened to a lot, but I don't know that those aged as well for me personally, not that the songs weren't good or the production wasn't good, but just for me personally, those don't really remind me of Christmas. They just remind me of being a stupid teenager. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I don't know if there's something about like, you know, just those formative years, you know, those first 10, 12 years or whatever, that the stuff that you hear then, um, is the stuff that makes the most impact or takes you back to that time period. Um, cause we used to have, um, my mom used to have like a bunch of records, like the, the, like, you know, in the sixties or whatever they would put out or the seventies, they would put out these, these like corporate sponsored, like good year or good rich presents like, and it'd be like, um, Julie Andrews and, uh, uh, what's a, um, gourmet. What's his name? Uh, something gourmet. <laughs> Goulet, Robert Goulet. Robert Goulet. Thank you, Gourmet. <laughs> Goulet, right? Uh, uh, and all those guys would like do these, uh, like you know, would do these various Christmas songs, and that's the ones that got stuck in my head. And uh, you know, whether other artists have done them covers of them, you know, since then, and certainly they weren't the first ones to record these. In some cases, those are the ones that stuck with me. Nice. Is there is there is is there any artist in particular that you would sign like with that kind of like time period, Ricky? There really isn't, and it's strange because most of the music that really takes me back is the stuff I listened to as a teenager. Mm-hmm. It's just the Christmas music uh, that was from an earlier point in my life, and I I guess maybe it has to do with um, as a teenager I was really into the music. And before that, it was just sort of the soundtrack, the subconscious soundtrack to the holiday. So I 
as a kid, I didn't even know who the artists were. You know, I wasn't even aware of what songs were playing. They were just going on in the background while I was looking at the toy section of the Sears catalog or, you know, the, the holiday specials that service merchandise would put out. (laughs) And, um, I think the fact that that music was just playing in the background and not something that I was consciously aware of is why that music is the music that I associate so much with the season, because it was before I was really aware of that music that was constantly playing. It was when it was just there and I didn't think about it. Yeah. That really like a, like a literal soundtrack to your life. It makes me think of like, I didn't know the song blue Christmas was by Elvis. I only knew Porky singing it. <laughs> I think it's Porky. And that blue, 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 blue. So <laughs> I later found out, oh, that's actually an Elvis song. I didn't yep. know that. It's known quite well. Doing. Quite well. What's that? Yeah. It's quite well known for Porky Pig doing, I'll have a blue, 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 blue Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, it's hard to, you know, it, in our, like I said, in our heads, it's like, you know, in some cases, I don't know who some of the original artists are that recorded some of these classic songs. Although I think, uh, is it is it Gene Autry that did the version of uh, the original version of uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? I think so. Because that's the one that like, yes. I, I, I've heard other people do it. And I just, it just, it sound doesn't sound right. Even right. though I wasn't alive. When Gene Autry recorded that, um, I—I I, that's the way that's the version I've always heard. It's always been there, um, probably you know, since I was in the womb. You know, <laughs> you know like I just it needs to be Burl Ives, darn it. Yeah, there's Burl Ives. Well, you know, I mean, if you if you're if the Christmas spe- if the well, you know Burl the, Ives the, did more holly jolly Christmas. That's true. Yeah, and silver and gold. Yep. Like a lot of that stuff from the, a lot of the, our our love for that music comes from the specials like that too. Oh, Rankin Bass. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, Mike, what about you? What's uh, one on your list? Um, for me, my first one's probably um, the song "Sleigh Ride." Um, you know, it's it's both known as a instrumental, but also known for singing. You know, a lot of people have done versions of sleigh ride over the years Mm -hmm. um originally it was written by leroy anderson um back in the late 1940s but for me it always represents um you know going up to new york to visit my grandparents and you know hearing that because the horse-drawn carriages in new york city and you know thinking of that and you know hearing that but then you have the ronettes version which is one of the most famous versions from the 1960s and it's just you know you know when you hear it it's just like ah that's christmas that is just christmas to me or the holiday season it's pretty awesome yeah i've uh, had the pleasure of hearing that one performed live a few times too and oh, with, yeah. a, with an orchestra not with as an instrumental piece and that is pretty special i think especially because mm-hmm. they put you know you hear that you can actually like really hear the sleigh bells ring um and or, or uh even the, the horse whip the yeah. whip yeah. yeah i love the whip sound it's like wow it's got like yeah it's got like special foley effects in it mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah, that's a that's a great tune. And whenever I think about it, I I almost I almost feel colder because exactly. I, it, puts, it puts in my head like 
it's cold outside. There's a sleigh ride. Like there's people, there's snow. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Hey, go break out the hot cocoa and you know, that type of stuff. It gives you that kind of feeling. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I'm going to sort of piggyback off one that uh, something that Bammy mentioned is that uh, one that uh, I sort of discovered in my youth and I've, and I've had to play it every year since then is Elvis's Christmas album. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, he, uh, we played a lot of Elvis in the house anyway. My mom was a big Elvis fan. Um, but the Christmas album was one that I can remember buying at some, I don't know, some little store and I bought the cassette and I think I still have it somewhere, but, um, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, he, you know, he does certainly white Christmas, uh, and other songs that you don't usually associate with Elvis. And he puts his little, you know, Elvis spin on them. But I don't know if uh, Blue Christmas was actually written for him. If oh. he was the first one to record it. No. No, he wasn't? No, okay. I, I didn't think so. so. <laughs> there are so few that he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like blue suede shoes, right? Anything blue, right? Yeah. Like, um, uh, but, you know, certainly, as, as Bammy pointed out, that blue, blue, blue. Like, I mean, he, yeah, he just does the, the blue stuff. Like, you know, um, he brings the blues into Blue Christmas. Um, <laughs> so I, I remember as a kid, my sister and I just screaming with laughter at the background singers on that. We just thought that was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there's like there's really some classic like Elvis isms in the album, like when he does um, "I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas." You know, he actually does that. Now, forgive me because I'm you know I'm no vocalist, even though I've tried. As Ricky and Bambi can attest to, I've tried to do Elvis, uh, but uh, um, but he does he does that like ah, 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 ah. like he like does this like yeah. I'm dreaming of a like White Christmas like he does this whole like thing and makes it his. Um, he does that. Uh, what's the one that you all, that makes you laugh all the time? Michelle, where he goes, hubba, hubba. <laughs> like he, here comes Santa Claus, oh, right? Santa Claus. It's the version of here comes Santa Claus. Like, here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. It's just well. a fun, it's just a fun album to listen to because uh, it's almost like campy. Yeah. Um, he became a parody of himself. On pretty this. much. Pretty much. I mean, he's right there. You know, he's kind of in on the joke. I think mm-hmm. so. Or I like to think so. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, uh, uh, but, uh, and then it's got the original Christmas album has this real, like kind of serious song about like mama, like the roses about how his mom passed away and everything. It's a real weird track to end the Christmas song on, on the Christmas <laughs> album, but um, it's just really powerful Elvis song. And I noticed that a lot of times when they, Re, when they put the Elvis songs together, like all his Christmas songs into CD packages or streaming or whatever, that song is left out. Um, so it's almost like everybody's like, yeah, we don't want to bring anybody down. Let's just put the Christmas stuff on. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so my vote goes to Elvis uh, for, I, it's another one I have to hear this time of year. Um, Michelle, what's uh, something else that you, uh, that uh, put you in the Christmas spirit? Cue up the piano. Peanuts, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack. Yeah. Oh. We talked about uh, um, Rankin Bass specials, but obviously the Charlie Brown Christmas is, yeah, its own set of, like, it's, it's, it's up there, like, on its own, like, pedestal. Yeah. Uh, with just not only the TV special, but the music by 
uh, is it Vince Garaldi? Garaldi. And uh, I mean, not just Christmas music. I mean, he wrote the Peanuts theme, which mm-hmm. became known far and wide, which a lot of people associate with Christmas. Mm-hmm. But uh, now I don't. He didn't write Green Sleeves, did he? No, that's, no, that's an old English song. But that version of Green Sleeves is one that I think everybody knows because of that. Because of that, he's like he's like Schroeder personified. Yes. <laughs> And there's no words. Well, except for the uh, the end where they're all singing. Uh, yeah. um, Heart old angels sing. Yes, heart yeah. old angels sing. So, um, but yes, that's another one that's uh, very good. Very good. Bambi, what's another one of yours? Well, I'll throw one in that nobody's going to know except for a handful of people. And that's Typo Negative had a song. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Called Red Water slash Christmas Morning, but it's not morning as in AM. It's morning as in sadness. Oh, no. Yeah, well, it's just the song. It, to me, it's a beautiful song, but it's just that as the years go on, fewer people are at the Christmas morning table, like to have breakfast because people pass on as they get older. Mm. And so he's like, you know, every year there's f- fewer people there. So. It's it's got sleigh bells in it, <laughs> but even typo negative did a Christmas song that makes it happy. <laughs> We're talking about dead people with sleigh bells. Sleigh yeah, bells. it's really slow sleigh bells. <laughs> I am uh, not familiar with it though. I have to check it out. That's one that we've so far that you mentioned that. Uh, um, I think the first one that we've mentioned that I haven't heard. Mm. I'm going to go in the opposite direction and mention (laughs) one that everybody has heard. Okay. And that's that Paul McCartney Uh, Christmas song. Uh Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. (laughs) Yeah. I saw a meme of that. Are you mentioning that because you you like it? No. (laughs) (laughs) That one gets a lot of hate. I got that one on my playlist. Um, You know, it's, it is what it is, but it's, it's Paul McCartney. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason that I'm mentioning it though, is because I didn't know what it was. I, I never really gave any thought to what it was that I didn't like about it when I was a kid. Like it, I just, when that would come on, I didn't like it. But as I got older and I was a musician, I started, I guess, kind of taking it apart and figuring out what exactly it is that makes me not like the song. And I think it's that in that song, Paul McCartney chose to use a lot of effects that were kind of new at the time that were effects that didn't really age well and, and didn't benefit the song. So I feel like maybe the song's not as bad as, as it seems to me. It's just the production is really bad. Um, and then I listen to it and I'm like, no, the song's bad too. <laughs> <laughs> I love the meme though, where they're saying all the verses it's like they're they're doing a seance and then somebody walks in on them and they're like, simply have it. They're just trying to cover up that they were just having a seance. And it's like, man, that makes that song awesome now. Because <laughs> it does kind of sound like it. <laughs> I, uh, 
Yeah, that's uh, that's another one that I know that gets a lot of hate. And uh, I just find it like it's just always been there. So I don't even really look at it as like a I like it or I don't like it kind of thing. It's just one that's like there for me. Um, but yeah, and certainly, uh, you know, it's interesting to talk about like, you know, obviously Paul McCartney and production and all that kind of stuff. I mean, anybody, I mean, Mike and I were talking about right before the show, we were talking about the, the, the new special that the documentary get back. And, uh, that goes deep into Paul McCartney's writing and, and, and what happens when some of his songs are overproduced as well. Well, I, I want to clarify that I don't hate the song. I just don't like the song. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair I enough. mean, because there are songs that when they come on the radio, I roll my eyes and change the station. And yes, I do still listen to the radio. But um, that's not necessarily one of those songs. It's just a song that doesn't really put me in the spirit of Christmas. It just makes me think, you know, another song would have been nicer right now. <laughs> yeah. Could, Paul, could that's most, that's most Christmas it? music to me, though. And then Mariah Carey comes on. And- oh, by your tongue. Or William. But yeah, so and I think that was Paul, during Paul's period. Was that during the time where he was doing like the uh, Silly Lone Song stuff? Too? Yeah, it's, it's, that it's song his, gets kind of It's his, wing, his, ear, his wings era. Gotcha. Well, yeah. some of the wing stuff is great, you know. You know, oh, yeah. die and all of that. And you're you just talking about Wham. My keytar, actually, it's from the '80s. It's it was apparently the first keytar that actually looks like a keytar. Has the the demo song in it is that Wham song. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Just My keytar plays that song. Last Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, last Christmas. Somewhere there is a video of our guitar player changing the tire on our van as Bambi uh, used that keyboard as musical accompaniment for <laughs> for him changing the tire. I I don't know if the look on his face is due to changing the tire or the song that's playing, or, the, or both. Hovering over him with a keytar. <laughs> oh, that could be it as well. <laughs> Uh, Mike, what's another what's another track? Well, for mine, I'm actually going to do another Beatle for my next Christmas song. Ah, it's "Happy Christmas, The War Is Over" by John Lennon. Yes, it you is. You know, I've seen that one get hate too for some reason. Well, well it's a Christmas song. It's going to get hate. It's going to get somebody's somebody's going to find offense in it. It's a wonderful, beautiful song, and the message is pretty amazing you know in it it basically is almost like a sequel to imagine you know because you know imagine there's no wars or anything and this song also talks about peace on earth and yeah, i find it i would say it's like a like part of the trilogy right of yeah give peace a chance yeah and then this song and then imagine like exactly that's a, that's a john lennon trilogy of you know like very, very like, much a like our guest was saying earlier in the episode, like, why can't we just all get along? Exactly. Exactly. And that's what, that's what was kind of cool about it, you know, and it's just, I love it. You know, how they wish each other happy Christmas at the very beginning of the song. And then, you know, so this is Christmas, you know, and, you know, another year older and, you know, it's just, it's the lyrics are just so, and as I've gotten older, it even hits home even more so. And it's pretty awesome. And, you know, 
you wish for your family members, you wish for your your friends, everyone you know you care for a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hope it's a good one with, you know, lots of good cheer. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty awesome. It is just, it's just an awesome song. And it just, you know, when I'd rather listen to this than any of those Paul McCartney songs that uh, Ricky was talking about earlier. <laughs> well, uh, you know, this part of the podcast was sponsored by Peter Jackson's Get Back, where you can now, uh, <laughs> ex- playing exclusively on Disney Plus. Uh, <laughs> oh, but you will o- hear if, if none only, of those songs. If only. He would be sponsored by that. <laughs> Which uh, you will hear neither of those songs on, on that seven or eight hour special, whatever. Eight and uh, a half hours, dude. Eight and a half hours. Ooh, but awesome. Nonetheless. Um, I'm going to go with something, you know, kind of uh, uh, along that lines too. It's not a Beatle, but uh, it's an odd pairing to be sure. And that is uh, David Bowie and Bing Crosby with uh, their oh. cover Drummer of Boy. Litter Drummer Boy, yep. which is it's it's something that should not work at all. Oh, it's David Bowie. And they, could, yet, they, could, they couldn't stand each other, too, which just makes it even better. And and <laughs> and yet it's the most and that's the other thing, too. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where it's like you got two guys who you got. It's a generation apart at least one generation, probably two or three. And they don't really, they're not in the same circles. They don't get along or whatever, but yet they're able to work out this like beautiful Christmas song that has all of the elements that you would expect from a classic Bing Crosby song. And yet also all of the cool elements that you would expect from a David Bowie track. It manages to do all of that and have this sort of surreal video that it's just when you're looking at it, you're like, is this real? And uh yeah, I just think it's it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing piece of of weirdness that exists that um is particularly great to play at Christmas. And and it's one of those things that can show you like, yes, if these guys can get along enough to make this beautiful song, then yeah, we can all get along. There's at Christmas a chance. For a There's while. a chance of peace on earth. Exactly. And then there was also David Bowie shocking everybody by wearing a sweater. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was so I don't that's just so weird seeing him with all those wild outfits and then a sweater. Bing Crosby <laughs> opening the door and seeing David Bowie. I mean I imagine that if you were watching that Christmas special live when it aired, that's the last thing you expected to see. <laughs> like is David Bowie come walking through the door in a uh, sweater. <laughs> And a sweater. Yeah. And for those David Bowie fans, they were shocked too. Yeah. Um, it has been, you know, mentioned and parodied a lot. Uh, I think the, the Will Ferrell parody is pretty fun, uh, to, to check out if you have not. The Will Ferrell and, uh, John C. Riley, uh, doing their version of it is pretty fun, but the original is great. And, uh, I definitely, if you have not heard it or seen it, even check it out because it's definitely worth it. I didn't know um, it had been parodied. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the parody is is fun too. Yeah, check that out. I think it was uh, a while ago when when what was that website Funny or Die or something mm-hmm. was huge, and they were doing. I guess they had crazy money because they were paying all these people to do uh, all these parodies and stuff. And Will Ferrell did a bunch of them, and uh, and so yeah, he did one of that. Yeah, it's... And it's the set is exactly the same. It's one of those recreations. that's like oh my god, they they knew what they were doing because they they recreated the set piece and the outfits and everything exactly. 
David Bowie had kept it all. <laughs> <laughs> it was a special moment for him. Um, so uh, that's one for me. Uh, I guess we'll go to our final round. Uh, Michelle? You have a, another uh, thing that uh, brings the Christmas spirit out of you? Something you have to play there's, this time of year? There's so many, I so know. many. And Ricky <laughs> mentioned this earlier, but from the first very special Christmas album, Gotta hear Christmas and Hollis. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Run DMC. That is one that's, that's one that sort of has become <laughs> a thing. Yeah. Although it does feel like the 80s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In a good way. In a good way. Yes. Uh, that is uh, Run DMC. Run DMC. Run DMC. Run DMC. Doing their best. With, without Aerosmith. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's probably the first... Is that the first Christmas hip hop song? Well, we yes. don't know for sure if that's the first one, but it's the first one of note. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. So awesome. Uh, Bambi? Carol of the Bells. That's a nice one. Also known as the Ukrainian Bell Carol. Yeah. I was actually introduced to that song from the Adams Family movie at the very beginning of the movie. Right. It opens with that, with a choir singing it and then dumping hot oil onto carolers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you just ruined the cover of the, this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but that song is so beautiful. Just any, like all the different versions I've heard of it. And Brian Setzer orchestra covers it. Also beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I absolutely love that melody line. That's awesome. So, yeah. There you go. It is very nice. And it's a, it's a, it's a cool, like, yeah, it's from the movie, but that was a movie that, that was a recreation of an original Charles Adams cartoon. Oh, where, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah. Charles yes. Adams drew like um, carolers down below and mm. the Adams okay. family, all okay. of them. You, if anyone sees the artwork for this episode, you <laughs> oh, will see really? that cartoon. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's right there. So. on the, uh, <laughs> of <her> <laughs> well they might not but it depends on what streaming service they use i guess that's the the classic song that sounds spooky so you know or a classical christmasy type of song but it's spooky sounding so of course i like it spooky (laughs) all right uh ricky uh the soundtrack for die hard (laughs) okay (laughs) Now, I know that Die Hard is uh, considered a Christmas movie by a lot of people. Um, is I didn't realize the soundtrack was considered a Christmas soundtrack or a Christmas album by a lot of people. I don't know, but it's got Ode to Joy on there, and it's got Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow. Ode I mean, to Joy, everyone, which is amazing, because it's not everyone a Christmas knows, song. Everyone knows it's a, not a Christmas t- season until you see Hans Gruber fall from the building. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, <laughs> oh, we're not could, spoiling could, a what forty-year-old movie now. That could also be cover art. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, wow! Good idea. Uh, the uh, yeah, but oh, to Joy is another one of those songs that uh, uh, you know Beethoven, right? Um, I, I it's one of those songs that I, I I don't usually associate with Christmas because we used to play that at church all almost every week. And so um, I always thought of it as, as a church song, for sure, but not necessarily a Christmas song. But I understand that a lot of people do associate with Christmas, mainly, mainly because of, I think, you know, Die Hard. Well, personally, I, 
I don't think of Die Hard as a Christmas movie, except that there's all that conversation about it. Like I never would have thought about that before people started arguing about whether or not it was a Christmas movie. Sure, so, come to the coast, have some drinks, It'll be a good time. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. For me, uh, it's the number one, easily, hands down, no question about it, even above Rankin and Bass, is really just the Charlie Brown Christmas special. I mean, that's, you know, everything else I could say, um, A Nightmare Before Christmas and all the Rankin Bass stuff, all of those others are still, for me personally, a mile behind the Charlie Brown Christmas special. That's that's so, for me personally, iconic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mike, what's another one from you? Because I have actually a full list here. (laughs) <laughs> the um, guy who hates Christmas music. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, for me, I'm going to have to, of course, you know, when I think of Christmas music, I'm going to have to go back to the my favorite, two favorite Canadians, of course. And it's Bob and Doug McKenzie doing the 12 Days of Christmas. Well, kind of an abridged version of it, I should say. <laughs> Of great white north fame, yeah, exactly. Take off, eh? Take take off, eh? And you know, they always end up with a beer in a tree. So you know, it's not you know, five golden toques, exactly, and a beer. And welcome to day (laughs) twelve. And I, I love it because the uh, the chorus actually guides them through because they kept on forgetting what they were doing. Yeah. And there are a lot of fun comedy. Uh, Christmas songs. Oh God, yeah. Um, and and Cheech yeah, and Chong, we could, we could, Cheech and Chong yeah, doing Chong. their. Christmas I was just about to say Cheech and Chong are right up there. Yeah. Uh, um, with with uh, <laughs> with Santa's I, wife. I have to, yeah, I have to hear all of those, uh, yeah. or I do. There's so many, and there's you know the Twelve Pains of Christmas, which I oh, like, yeah. which is a Bob Rivers song, I think. Yeah, but doing um, in the voice of Al Bundy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because Bob Rivers did that. You know, he made a career of doing albums. I think Christmas, uh, comedy oh, yeah. Christmas albums. Oh yeah, Weird Al has a few Chris- different yep. Christmas songs. Absolutely. Um, you know, you also had people like Spike Jones. You also had you know yep. people doing you know all through you know all from like the nineteen forties up. Uh, you know, most comedians or such they did some kind of Christmas songs. You know, like I'm getting nothing for Christmas or you know stuff like that. And Doctor Demento has an amazing Christmas album out there. If you ever get a chance to find it, it's just awesome stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely good call on that because that's a uh, that's a uh, yeah that's that you know I, I don't know if there's much more that are as annoying than say Mariah Carey or Wham or, or Paul McCartney. But I would say like um, the chipmunks would probably be right up there. Oh yeah. Wow. yeah. <laughs> or I hate to, I'm going to say this and Judy will be pissed. The barking dogs doing jingle bells. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Yowie Christmas. Yowie Christmas. Yeah. Those, yeah. It, there's, there's pet. Yeah. There's animal records too, that are really kind of annoying. You hear those once and you're like, I'm done. Alvin, yeah, Alvin, Alvin. Cats meowing anymore. Yeah, the chipmunks are. Did they play them at your animal house? Yes, hospital? they did. Yeah, they played them at mine too. <laughs> Ouch. 
It's not like all the animals just sing along. Uh, <laughs> no, even they're like, shut it off. <laughs> they're really they're like, come on. They're really out of pitch. Absolutely. Out of pitch. All right. So um, I'm going to end with a classic by Bing Crosby, but it's probably not the one you're thinking of. Although White Christmas is a tradition in our house, not only listening to it, but watching the movie every year. Uh, but also I would not be much of a tiki head if I did not, uh, say, uh, Maliki Maka. See, it's easy for me to say, um, is a Bing Crosby song, which is, um, sort of, it's the Hawaiian or Polynesian for Merry Christmas. Um, kind of like Feliz Navidad, but tiki style. Um, but, uh, the monkeys recently covered it in their, uh, music, their Christmas album that they came out with a few years ago. That's, I recommend everybody check out. That's a really good Christmas album. That's probably the best, most recent Christmas album I've gotten. And I granted the, the monkeys were not like a new band, but, um, there's not, I know that everybody's putting out Christmas albums now. I mean, everybody for the last, I think, decade from D. Snyder to, Rick Springfield to like everybody has a Christmas album. Um, I don't know. I think some other people just came out with some this year, right. That have been putting out Christmas albums, some old rockers or. I think Billy Idol did one. Billy Idol did one. Not this year, but we're also very happy to announce the earth station. One Christmas album is coming very soon. (laughs) No, 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 no. I don't think that's, I don't think people have to worry about that. This is as close as you're going to get to that. I think is this episode. So, um, any last words on Christmas music in general? I mean, is it a good thing? Is it, is it, are you glad when it's over? When do you start listening to it? And when is enough enough? Um, start listening to it today and I probably will stop listening to it tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for me, I want. October 1st through November 1st to be nothing but Halloween themed mm-hmm. November 1st through Thanksgiving to be fall themed. And then anywhere from black Friday to December 1st, I'm cool with people starting the Christmas thing, mm-hmm. but from December 1st and until December 26th, I'm all about Christmas music, even if it's Paul McCartney. I actually like the Wham song, even if it's Mariah Carey. I uh, I want Christmas music playing, you know, if I go into a mall or a store during that period of time. And then on the 26th, I want it all to go away. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. That's fair. Yeah. No, even if they're not about Christmas, like other songs we mentioned, like Winter Wonderland and stuff like that, you play them after Christmas and people are like, nope, that's no, done. I don't, I don't need that music now. Now it's time for, I don't know what people play after. Uh, there's not, there's not really, there's old anxiety and that's it for New Year's, right? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, there's only thousands of years of music you could listen to the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah exactly. Then you then you play all the music that you got for Christmas as a as a gift. Uh, mm-hmm. Use your use your gift card, your Amazon gift card, or your iTunes gift card, or whatever, and get some music. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yep. All right. Well, thanks everybody. It's been fun uh, to uh, hang out and listen to Christmas music with you guys, and uh, we will be right back and.
Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela. And this week, this geek girl is talking about the Hogwarts Tournament of Champions show on TBS, Cartoon Network, and Hulu. It's the 20th anniversary of the first Harry Potter movie being released in theaters, so there's a lot of Harry Potter-related stuff happening at the moment, including a quiz show that is playing on TBS, Cartoon Network, and Hulu. It's only four episodes long and has teams of fans from each Hogwarts house against each other to see who wins. The show is kind of silly to watch at first since you can tell they really told each group to talk about every single question they have instead of just answering them outright. So it's a little weird to watch them talk about every little thing no matter how easy it is, but it's still a fun watch. Even if a lot of the questions are just ridiculously easy and mostly focused on the movies with very few questions having to do with the books. But overall, it's a fun little watch, and it's hosted by Helen Mirren, with some questions being asked by actors from the films. There are still two more episodes that have to air, and the others I believe you can watch on Hulu. So if you like Harry Potter and testing your knowledge of the franchise, you should totally check it out. It's also really interesting to see a game show that is styled around fandom, since most of them are not. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. There are a lot of great podcasts that review Doctor Who episodes in order. The Earth Station Who podcast is not one of them. Just like the Doctor, we never know where or when we'll end up, but we'll have a lot of fun talking about it. From classic Who to new series and big finish, join the Earth Station Who crew wherever fine podcasts are found. Earth Station Who is a founding member of the ESO Network. Oh, Spidey Bell, Spidey Bell, swinging through Midtown. Oh, what fun to sling a web and take the bad guys down. Spidey Bell, Spidey Bell's quipping all the time. Oh, what fun to swing around New York while fighting crime. Quipping through the streets of New York every night. Wrapping bad guys up in my way. That's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. But before we get out of here, of course, we have to talk about our friends over at Inked Marketing. Of course, they have Monty Moore is back and he is doing Blood and Bullets too. The project goes all the way till December 17th. It's Project We Love from Kickstarters. Monty Moore is back with more gunfights and vampire bites in the Old West, brought to you by the award-winning Maverick Art Studio. It's all started with a new original character, Bloody Mary Madison, a gun for hire with a deadly reputation and a quick temper to make her a force to be reckoned with. Blood and Bullets 2 picks up where our first story leaves off, with Mary and Blackbird returning to town after dispatching their enemies at the Old Fort. But is the fight over? Who can they trust? Check it out. Inked Marketing. Inked.pub slash BNB2. Check it out. And so that is going to wrap it up. And want to thank Ricky and Bambi for being here tonight. Thank you for having us. That's right. Thank you. Hey, it was always fun to be festive and holly and jolly and all that kind of stuff with you guys. Do you have anything going on over the holidays or are you guys taking a break? Uh, I have a show coming up on Sunday, uh, not a holiday show, just a regular show with the band Pure Ed, who was on uh, the ESO network very recently. Oh, very much so. That is awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is cool. Where's the show going to be? 
It's going to be at an art house in Atlanta called Heck House. Uh, and it is this upcoming Sunday, December 12th, December 12th from three in the afternoon until six in the evening. It's free in all ages. That's Yay. Right. That is awesome. Dogs are welcome. Yeah. They have cats. There's cats. It's an outdoor show and they have like animals running around. It's pretty cool. Dogs, cats. Oh, wow. That's big. That is really big. So then after that, are you guys done for the year or? Uh, well, we're never done, but we might be done with shows for the year i don't know i keep saying i probably need to set up our annual christmas that's right acoustic thing if nothing else as a get together for anybody that wants to come hang out that's awesome i've been seeing pictures of bambi playing the drums too which is kind of fun to see you get a chance yeah bambi 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 (laughs) at our uh, last show in south carolina on saturday for two or three songs yeah Yeah, nice even got a request and i ended up doing a song i didn't know it was fun and since, this, since this whole episode was about Christmas songs, I, uh, I'd just like to mention that I have personally this year been listening to our friend's band, Mantelpiece. Uh, they have a new Christmas single called Worth Every Note that uh, just came out in time for Christmas this year. So that's one of the songs that I've been listening to this Christmas season. Very awesome. Very, very awesome. Well, thank you guys as always for supporting us and, you know, joining us for all the music episodes. Thank you for having us. And I hope you both have a wonderful holiday. You too. (laughs) Thanks. Well, my holiday's done. It's okay. I'm done for the season. (laughs) I'm just going to kick back for the rest of the year. (laughs) And Michelle, thank you. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Always good to be here. Anything you want to shout out about? I am on a podcast. It's called the uh, Rock in Retrospect podcast uh, with some very good friends of mine, uh, Nick Bambach and Mary Layton. And we're talking about the Kennedy Center Honors. Oh, who should, awesome. Who should be the next uh, music industry people to receive a Kennedy Center Honors? Ooh, that would so, be awesome. So if that floats your boat, tune in and <laughs> listen to that. Cool. We'll have a link up to it on our show notes. So definitely we'll check it out. And once again, as always, thank you for doing your weekly segment for us. My pleasure. It's always fun to hear what you're going to come up with. It's like, all right, who died this time? (laughs) (laughs) The weekly classic rock obituary. (laughs) It's like, oh, not that Uh, person. I love that person as a kid. It was awesome. But yeah, definitely. It's always great to, you know, hear what you have to say. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Mr. Mike, we made it through another one, my friend. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Yes. I want to give a shout out. Um, uh, Michelle and I were fortunate enough to, over the weekend, see our good friend Davey Knowles play here locally at a, at a little restaurant called Napoleon's. Uh, at that venue has slightly changed. It's a little bit smaller than it was before, but... I know, Mike, you've gotten gone with us to see him. That was one of the last shows that we saw before the pandemic was in February of last year. That was one of the last live shows that Michelle and I saw together. Mm-hmm. And uh, outside of, you know, going to the Monkees um, tour uh, last month, this was the first time we've seen like live music in that kind of atmosphere before. So, I mean, since then. So, um, you know, Mike, as you've said, um 
it's glad, uh, you know, seeing live music, there's nothing like it. Um, and we encourage everybody to do so. We want to make sure we encourage you to do so in such a, in a safe environment. Um, but I am glad for folks like Davey and for our friends, Ricky and Bambi, that they're able to perform now. And, uh, you know, uh, hopefully that continues um, into the next year and gets even bigger and better for all of you guys. Uh, because it's, it's important to you guys. I know, I mean, even Davey was talking about to us about, um, after the show, he's talking about like during the pandemic, he didn't know what to do. And he was, he was gonna, you know, he was almost considering taking a job outside of music, which he'd never done before. And that, that terrified him. So, (laughs) so the, uh, the, the, you know, to be able to play music and, and, you know, sort of make a living or at least get paid for it, it, you know, should always be something that's available to you guys. And and we hope that that continues into the next year or so. Um, But Davey was amazing. His new album, what happens next is out. Uh, Go get it. If you haven't, it makes a great stocking stuffer, even a digital stocking and uh, you won't regret it. It's one of his best albums, I think. And uh, some of the songs were written during the pandemic and have some pretty uh, interesting things to say. So I would check that out as well as uh, I look forward to seeing live music next year. Well, I wish I could say my live music was done for the year. <laughs> it's not, or, not it's, even close. Not wish even close. Could say that? <laughs> uh, no, I don't wish I could say that. Um, it's going to be, it's always interesting to go see live music this last weekend. We actually went back to the Atlanta Symphony Hall and we where we went to go see the monkeys actually. Yeah. And we actually got to go see the Fab Four, which is an amazing Beatles tribute band. And it was amazing to go see them do everything from the start of the Beatles, like the Ed Sullivan era, all the way through the breakup of the Beatles. And they changed the Beatles accordingly and it was pretty amazing to see and they did a big you know portion of the show also was tributes to both john lennon and to george harrison and very very amazing show um got a lot of great pictures did a couple videos those are up all up actually i started my youtube channel back up so if you look under mike faber you could actually see some of the videos we took there so it's pretty cool you know we did i think i posted like five videos from the show so as we go to concerts judy and i are going to start putting concert videos up of the shows we're going to and everything so should be a lot of fun to do so it should be cool to see um also this week i think we're only going to two concerts this weekend (laughs) only to no we're you know we're fully vaccinated and you know we're Going, being very safe about it. Um, Saturday, we are going to go see a band called the Wood Brothers, which we've seen in the past. And they are amazing. They're going to be playing down at the Variety Playhouse. And then uh, Sunday night, Judy is going with one of her friends to go see uh, Wynn Marsalis and the Lincoln Center Jazz Band. Mm-hmm. So it should be a lot of fun to go see. And, um, you know, it's always great to go see music live and to support big, small, medium-sized bands. Anytime, like Mike had said, you know, anytime you could go see that, you know, a lot of these bands don't make money from their CDs or such anymore. They, you know, they basically, 
it's all touring and merchandising now yep. and that's how they make their money and you know support them go you know buy t-shirts buy stickers buy you know whatever they could sell i know a lot of bands are now so- selling um like on little flash disks or something um down downloadable versions of the show you went to go see so you can even yeah. do you can yeah. even do that now and everything yeah. it's pretty darn awesome so it's you know something like 10 bucks some people places talk charge 20 but it's the show you went to it's it's awesome you know just a little personalized stuff so definitely try checking that out and you know supporting local music it's the way to do it and everything folks because the venues also need help it's just not the bands too nowadays um like mike had said you know the place we used to go see davy knowles was huge but they had to cut their space in half because of the pandemic and yeah, they, they almost closed entirely exactly they ne- they almost didn't make it and a lot of these places are right now holding on by like the skin of their teeth and there's places like here in town like smith's old bar and you know a few other places that you know are at risk of closing and that's going to hurt you know pl- you know musicians places to play so definitely check it out folks check out local music whenever you can and with that being said it's time to talk about our next episode. And, you know, we talked about holiday music. Next is going to be even better. We're going to be talking about the best you've ever ate for a holiday meal. It's pretty darn awesome. <laughs> you know, whenever, you know, we think of music and jolliness and partying, food is always included. So our friends here at ESO are going to be bringing you that we've ever eaten for holidays. It's pretty cool. So. Join us for next week. We'll definitely love it. And, you know, I'll see how many times we have to beep ourselves next week. That'll be even better. (laughs) So it should be cool. Eggnog will be there for everyone. So, you know, if you want, join us. And, you know, we definitely want to thank you guys at home for listening. It's always great. Please, of course, leave feedback wherever you listen to us. And, of course, we definitely would love to hear from you. Feedback at earthstation1.com. Please, if you get a chance, write us. Tell us what you guys are doing for the holidays. We would definitely love to hear from you guys. So definitely, and as always, thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find them at nsclivetv.com. Remember, you can find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now Amazon Music and Audible. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, Michelle Borg, Ricky Zero, and of course, Bambi Lynn. Thanks for listening. And we will see you here next time on the Air Station One podcast. Stay safe. Hug your loved ones. Please, folks, get vaccinated or get boosted. We will see you soon. Peace. And we are done. Boom. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. 
We want to hear from you. Please write us at EarthStation1 at ESONetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the EarthStation1 podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.